I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 40 of Season 6 of Movie Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capresque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again to finish off this week is Richard Kirkham of Kirkham, a movie a day. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Thanks, Rob. I figured if I stick around long enough, I'll get my wings. Well, if you'll point me in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, wait, so we're supposed to play some bells for you? Is that the idea here? That's it. That'd help. I, I don't know. I, I don't want you getting your wings so quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd rather you don't have your wings soon. How's that? All right. Okay, I'll live so, without them. I, I, yes, <laughs> please do. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that, that's the goal uh, in life, basically. <laughs> All right, so minute 40 begins with uh, George continuing to think and puff and ends with Ma Bailey having an idea. Basically, we ended things yesterday with, uh, you know, George uh, seeing off Uncle Uncle Billy and continuing to contemplate uh, what's going on in his life, what he's going to do, you know, what, what he needs to do. And this minute just continues with that. He's, uh, you know, deep in thought. Uh, puffing away at his cigarette, and uh, you know, even though we already know that that, that George has made up his mind, he knows he's staying, he's not going anywhere, and uh, you know, he will continue to run the uh, building and loan. That that's what it basically comes down to. And you know, as as he's uh, standing there, what's what's really interesting is you hear like a train horn. Which, yep. on the one hand, it, it goes to show that they, their their house is not that far from the train station where we just were at. Um, you know, it is it is a relatively small town, but uh, you know, the train station is is relatively close to the Baileys. But it goes back to what we were talking about on Monday about the fact that that is one of George's favorite sounds, and it's also uh, a third way of looking at it. It's a reminder that you're not getting on that train. It's leaving and he's not. That's right. Sorry, I you know I I like the way that they they placed that in there. You know he 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 knows his responsibility and as much as he wants to go on that train and and uh, you know hear that anchor being drawn up and you know it's just not going to happen for him. You know I've I've been thinking all week about your question from from uh, Monday and I st- I still don't really have an answer if there are sounds that I. Uh, that I like to hear. You know, it's uh, it's it, it's it's been keeping me up at night over this this week. <laughs> you know. 
Well, maybe one of those sounds will pop up in the middle of the night and you'll say, oh, there's one. I should remember that and tell Richard about it. That's right. That's right. I'll, I'll WhatsApp it to you. <laughs> you, know, it'll, it, you know, I mean, we are we are eight hours apart, but, uh, you know, I'll send something to you and you'll look and you'll say, why the hell is he sending me something at, the, at that hour by him? And, and then you'll know why. It's because I thought of the, the sounds that I wanted to, uh, you know, mention. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and then uh, you know we hear people uh, chattering, and you can see in a blurry background, you know that 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 someone is walking towards him. You know, but uh, you know it it it's not there yet. You know, he's George just looks very gloomy, and you know I I love how he just opens his jacket pocket and pulls out a whole bunch of uh, travel brochures. You know, and we can we can actually read what what it says on them. Did you did you take the, uh, the the those extra few seconds to actually read what's written on the brochures? Oh yeah, you know there's there's a uh, you know student travel to I don't know I forget South America I think it is, and uh, you know it's some of the job stuff that he's looking at. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Uruguay and Argentina, South America, that kind of thing. That's right. Um, so um, travel um, clubs in Europe, uh, you know, it's it's all the stuff that he dreamed about. Yes, that's right. So basically, uh, one of them says uh, travel with the foremost student tours uh, at college travel club, uh, where we see a steamboat. We don't we don't know where that one goes. And then we have another one that says South America, New York to Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina. Schedule and passenger rates. You know, so these these are his uh, dreams and his goals. And once again, he's going to you, you can see that they're already uh, pretty battered up. You know, these brochures, you know, it must be like one of the things that, that you know, in the middle of the night, he, he will, you know, take them out and, and just look at them and and dream, you know, that I'll be able to yeah. go to one of these places and stuff like that. I think that's exactly uh, what's implied by this. And when what happens in a moment is that he tosses them away because he's coming to the realization that the decisions that he's made are, are going to keep him from doing these things. That's right. That's right. He's, uh, he, he realizes that, uh, you know, uh, the, the, these are just pipe dreams. Do, do you know that there are six different types of uh, ways that brochures can be folded? <laughs> Really? Yes. <laughs> no, I hadn't thought about that. Folded in half, trifolded, quadfolded, uh, triangular folds, uh, folded in uh, uh, origami crane style so that they can be distributed on uh, the street corner in an interesting way. I have no idea, and I've never <laughs> thought about it ever. So there is the uh, letter uh, C trifold, which basically means that you fold the paper. Uh, you know, three equal parts. Uh, then you have what's known as a gate trifold. Do you know what that is? Yeah, you have two sides that fold in and on, right. on themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you have spot. that's correct. Then you have the roll double gate fold. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but that I'm that's sure where you do. that's where it's basically uh, folded in four four times. You have the uh, 
you know, the both sides are folded in and then it's folded in a second time. It starts yeah. sounding like a map. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what it basically looks like. Then you have what's known as an accordion Z-fold. Well, that I can imagine very easily. Right. You've got a front and a back page and everything else is folded over accordion style in the middle. That's right. Uh, again, pull it's, it apart. It, it's also, uh, there are maps that are, that are like that also. Uh, then you have a double parallel fold, which no clue. Which what you do is, is you fold the paper in half, and then each of those uh, those halves are folded again. Sounds like what you would do to create a uh, stump for the kitchen table when it's not balanced. Uh, possibly. <laughs> and then the third type is a double right angle or also known as a French fold, which basically, uh, it, they look like squares. You're basically folding the paper in half, and then uh, you fold it the other way. You, know, you fold it, you know, vertically. So that it's like it's like half the size of, of a page type of thing. That's how it looks. But nowadays, people just have e-brochures. You know, you don't really have to worry about uh, these type of brochures anyway. You know, and uh, obviously, you know, for him to want to go to South America, we talked about it earlier in the week, you know, that they're they're looking for engineers. So I don't think that's really going to help him since he is is not an engineer. Yeah, and, I don't know what he studied in high school, whether and what kind of credits or requirements they would require for people. Well, ever since he's a kid, he's going to have a harem. So. It, it existed in a period well before uh, most uh Professions had certifications. Correct. That's true. And then uh, you know he's he's looking at these brochures, and he like just takes them and, and basically violently throws them away. You know he's, he's you know as as much as he wants to be there for Harry, you know he knows that he has to give up his dream for this, and just throws them. Uh, you know go, going back to. The fact that uh, here here we have another character in a movie who's a litter bug. <laughs> you know. uh, I mean, last season we talked about the uh, the litter finds in in Washington D.C. If you uh, you know happen to just throw uh, uh, gas canisters, uh, you know, in the snow at the airport instead of uh, you know picking them up properly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming in Bedford Falls, uh, you know, when. We're, we're going to have, uh, you know, Bert the Cop walk around and uh, and find George for, for throwing those brochures. Well, if it's on his own front lawn, he probably would not get uh, a fine, but he might get a citation to clean up his own yard. That's true. That's true. And then, uh, as I was talking about before, in the background, we, we, we see, you know, it's unfocused, but we see someone come out of the house and walk uh, towards George. And we can immediately see that uh, it's Ma Bailey. You know, and she 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 comes over, and uh, you know he he hugs him, and then uh, you know very strangely he the, he kisses her on the lips, which is a strange thing to do to a mother, but uh, I guess it's something that uh, you know there are families where that is common, and you know she she turns he says to her hello ma and. You know, that's for nothing. How do you like her? She's swell, isn't she? Looks like she can keep Harry on his toes. 
keep him out of Bedford Falls anyway. Did you know that Mary hatches back from school? I mean, I, I like the way that she just, you know, George, is, she sees that George is down in the dumps, dumps and, you know, upset about the fact that Harry is no longer going to be around. And she just quickly just changes the subject, basically saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get you uh, busy thinking about other things. You're going to think about Mary Hatch. You know, she's starting, she's starting to be matchmaker right now. That's right. Well, no, but I think it's, I think she just wants him to be uh, in, in a better mood and talking about Harry, you know, Ma Bailey already knows the problem here, you know, that George is going to have to stay or George is going to feel forced to stay in order to keep the, the, the building and loan open. So, you know, well, let's just switch the subject and we'll, we'll talk about, uh, you know, something that will maybe make you happy. We'll talk about Mary. I don't know. <laughs> well, two lines later, she's basically pairing him up with her. That's right. Nice, nice girl, Mary. <laughs> and you, it'll help you find the answers, George. That's right. Did you did you know that Mary Hatch is back from school? Mm-hmm. Came back three days ago. Mm-hmm. Nice girl, Mary. Mm-hmm. Kind of will make you find the answers, George. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, do you think he's really paying attention to what she's saying, or he's just in such a mood that he's just going to constantly be saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm? Well, he's saying mm-hmm, mostly because he's distracted, but uh, he he hears what she's saying. He's, but he's not taking any of it seriously. That's right. You know, I, again, I think she's just trying to distract him because she's that 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 he's in distress. You know, and and realizes that only Mary is the one that can make him uh, happier. You know, which which is a little strange because, like, how often do you think? Uh, she bumps into Mary. I mean, next week she'll talk a little bit more about the fact that, uh, you know, that, that Mary's uh, face lights up every time she sees George. But, you know, she's been back for three days. She hasn't seen that yet, at least on this visit. Well, remember, they have uh, 25 years of history. Mary has been part of, you know, she's been a neighborhood kid, uh, probably hanging around uh mooning after George all that time since uh, they were nine and ten years old. Uh, you know, moms see that kind of crap. That's true. <laughs> That's and true. I think she and I think she and Mrs. Hatch were friends also. What, what makes you think that? I, I, I seem to remember that they had some interactions with each other at another point in the movie. No, the only time we see them together is at the wedding. Uh, if I remember well, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in that minute, so I'm not going to challenge <laughs> you on it. Uh, it's not a question I'm trying to challenge, but uh, no, I, I'd be very interested if there is something else uh, that that I didn't that I neglected to. Aren't, to aren't they volunteers together at the uh, Ah, that's Red right. Cross or something they're like right. that when they when they when they have the when they talk about uh, the, what people did in the war, they say that the right. two of them uh, uh, were, I think, sewing uh, uh, uniforms or something like that. Yes, you're, you you see, you're right. There you go. You see, you didn't want to challenge me, but but you're right. There there was another scene where they were together, <laughs> but that's years later when they're basically in laws. Yeah, but you know, I'm. I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, but. Uh, most of the mothers of the kids that I was friends with were friends with uh, the mothers of the kids that I was friends with. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way it is, you know, because this way you have carpools and, 
Exactly. That's your neighborhood. That's right. That's true. But she's 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 really pushing this. You know, she she was really pushing for 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 Mary. Which uh which which is interesting. It is. You know, um maybe, you know, because uh, Marty is George's age, and basically Mary's image is Harry. So, yeah. What's that? Uh, it was a, there was a Matthew McConaughey film a few years ago, Failure to Launch. I think that uh, George is a little bit like uh, the Matthew McConaughey character, and his parents uh, need to push him a little bit, and she's the only parent left. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, that, that, that's fair. Those were Sarah Jessica Parker, wasn't it? I, I'm not even sure I saw the movie. I just know of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair too. <laughs> that is allowed. Um, yeah. So I mean, again, there there isn't much to, much more that that's going on in this particular minute. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the scenes of this minute? See, I know I need to clarify that with you. <laughs> no, nothing in the scene, the, the minute that we've been looking at that I wanted to add to it. It was you know, very quiet. Uh, we've, I think we've talked about it more than I thought we'd be able to talk about it. So we're good. No, I, I have plenty of other things. If you want to talk about Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, you know, we, we have things I, that we can I, talk about. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So every Friday, I don't need the history of the steamship. I'm sorry. I said I don't need the history of a steamship. No, no. no. <laughs> All right. So every Friday we have a segment called uh, Oscar Oops. So the idea is that uh, you know we've we've had the Oscars uh, ever since 1927, and you know. Uh, love them, hate them. Everyone has their own opinions as to what they think of the Oscars, whether you know whether they agree with the decisions uh, that that are made based on the voting and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, this this movie is a prime example. You know, people look back and they say, "How is it possible that It's a Wonderful Life did not win uh, over Best Years of Our Lives?" And then you have people who will say the exact opposite. Uh, I'm still not. Letting everyone know what my my opinion is on that one. You'll have to wait until the final episode of this season to find out what I think about that. But uh, so every year there, there's always controversy, and uh, so I thought what would be great is to have a segment where you know everyone can can vent about uh, what movie they think uh, should have won that didn't win. Um, and the only caveat is it needs to be something that was actually nominated. So you know, for instance. You can't uh, choose Fool's Parade and say that you think that that should have won uh, because it was not uh, nominated. So I got you. Richard, why don't you start with your number five and work your way up? Well, I'm just going to go in reverse chronological order, and uh, I will save my biggest irritation for my last one. Uh, And I don't think anybody will be surprised uh, when uh, I start talking about that. It's not a huge irritation because the film that won was a deserving film. It's just that it won over a film that I value so much highly, so much more highly. Hmm, I I have Uh, no idea what movie you must be talking about. (laughs) Is it it a summer movie uh, that takes place in uh, Amity? I I don't know. Yes, it is. Could be, possibly. Stepped all over that one. We'll get there in a minute. (laughs) <laughs> uh, 
working back. See, Richard, uh, it's because it's because I know you well enough after all these years. That's right. In 2019, uh, the movie Parasite won the award for best picture, and I like Parasite a lot. I think it's a very clever uh, film, the good screenplay. But to me, it's not the same kind of achievement that 1917 was. And I think 1917 would have been my choice if I had been an Oscar voter that year. I think that's uh, an incredible achievement. I, I thought the way the film was made was really interesting. Um, the subject matter is important. Uh, we did get a couple of uh, World War I stories in this time period, and uh, another one's going to come up here right now in 2017 because I did not care at all for The Shape of Water, and I thought Dunkirk was clearly a superior film. Uh, the way that that story is told, uh, you know, that um, Christopher Nolan manages to get three different time periods, an hour, a day, and a week, integrated into this story so meticulously that it, uh, it, it it's amazing that it actually comes together. And I, again, I think that it's a, a, a much more interesting story to me than the artificial political story that The Shape of Water represents. I, I You know, The Shape of Water is fine. It's an interesting fantasy, but I didn't think that it was a very important film. Uh, speaking of important films, and by the way, my criteria doesn't automatically mean that it has to be important. If there are films that are more entertaining and better put together. Yes, of course. It's got nothing to do with the significance or importance of it, and I got one of those coming up too. <laughs> uh, but the in 1983, I think the, the film The Right Stuff managed to do something that was incredible, taking uh, the Tom Wolfe novel that uh, some people had suggested was not really possible to turn into a movie and turned it into not only a coherent movie, but a very stirring movie. Terms of Endearment, <laughs> the winner there is a, is a very nice film, and it is emotionally wrenching. And I, I can't say that it wasn't a, a tearjerker because it jerked plenty of tears out of me. Uh, but uh, I find the right stuff to be heart-stopping and exciting. I loved all of the stories about the astronauts. But I grew up in the 60s, you know, in the United States. And, you know, the astronauts were like the heroes of the time period. So I remember all of that and how important it was. And maybe that's influencing me. Although I just think that uh, all of those character actors who played the astronauts had some of the best parts of their careers there. Fred Ward and Scott Glenn are awesome in this movie. And Ed Harris, uh, you know, he, he, as John Glenn, was just pitch perfect in that uh, particular role. Have, and there have are you, have you, lots of other little characters in this. That's right. Have, have you seen the, uh, the, the, the recent adaptation of, of uh, The Right Stuff? I have not. Yeah, no, me neither. That's why I was wondering. I'd, I'm not familiar with it. I, I, that was a TV thing, right? Mm -hmm. Or a yeah. Netflix thing or something like that. Yeah, it was a TV thing. I, I haven't looked at it, so. All right. And then, uh, like, proving that uh, something that's important is not necessarily the thing that makes a movie uh, valuable. In 1981, Chariots of Fire gives us an interesting historical story. It's uh, inspiring and moving. But it beat Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of the best Spielberg films you can imagine that's incredibly influential. Uh, it did things that uh, other people had only dreamed of doing. It took pulp filmmaking from the 30s and 40s and turned it into art. 
and it's you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of the great achievements of Steven Spielberg's career. And the fact that uh, it got beat by a movie that basically won because it had a nice soundtrack to it is frustrating to me. And then, as we've already talked about uh, and hinted at, sorry, in 1975. <laughs> sorry for ruining that. Uh... <laughs> Well, I, I I currently have a project going on. I've I've fallen off for a couple of weeks, but I've been doing a weekly project, uh, a Throwback Thursdays, on the films of 1975. Yes, so I've been, I've been following that. Great, and uh, you know what? I I did a write up of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is the film that won that year. It is a terrific film. Nicholson is great. I think that um, Louise Fletcher, you know, it was obviously the high point of her career. Uh, there are several character actors in this movie that go on to great success. The movie is emotionally involving, but it beat Jaws. Maybe you know, along with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, the two. You know, it is it is clearly, in my opinion, the best film Steven Spielberg's ever made, and it is the best film of the last 50 years. And uh, if you don't understand why please visit my site and read the 14 plus posts that i've written about uh, the movie jaws <laughs> that's it i think i would assume you'd have more uh more posts on jaws yeah, they're probably more than 10 or more than 14 but uh that's the last time i remember counting oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough fair enough all right thank you very much for that that uh, that is a great list so richard you have Good. you have anything else you want to say about the movie in general I think It's a Wonderful Life is a perennial, obviously. Everybody wants to see it uh, at the holiday time. I remember growing up as a kid when it was on, back when it was still in the public domain. You know, uh, they managed to steal it back out, back out of the public domain. I'm sure that that's been a subject of conversation at some point or other on your show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, But I you know, grew up in the era when every TV station was running It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, during the Christmas season, you could go from one station to another, and it was you know the difference was five minutes. You know you were in a different five minute stage oh, of the wow. movie. It was it was on I think you know because we had a lot of local channels that were looking for programming that was inexpensive to run and uh, free. in Southern California, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in Southern California, you had KTLA, KHJ, KTTV, and KCOP, which were all local stations, and they are the ones that all ran this movie uh, on a regular basis, like I said, and probably several times a week because it was also one of those things. I, I re- remember the scene in Gremlins where the mom is watching It's a Wonderful Life in the kitchen, and that's because it's it was on ubiquitously. It was everywhere when you looked around for it. Uh, so it's a, it's a great film. I've seen it in uh, uh, on the big screen two or three times. I've been very oh, wow. fortunate to do that. And uh, one of those times was at the TCM Film Festival when uh, we had a great discussion from Craig Barron and uh, oh, who's his uh, counterpart, um, the the sound guy. Um, oh, who did the sound for the Star Wars movies? Uh, oh, Ben Burt. Oh, okay. Ben Burt. Ben Burt and Craig Barron are you know two. Uh, behind the scenes guys you know each of them has won multiple oscars for special effects and for sound effects and uh they've been at the tcm film festival over the years featuring a particular movie and they did 
information about It's a Wonderful Life and the special effects that were used to make that movie. You don't think of it as a special effects film, but there are some great sequences that they explained in uh, their presentation. Uh, it's it's a terrific film. I'm glad that you picked it as the, your next project. Uh, I enjoyed talking about it uh, last year when it was Movie of the Month for on the Lambcast, and I, I imagine it's going to last for several more months on your project, uh, the Movie Rob uh, Movie Minute. Yes, it definitely will. All right, well, Richard, why don't you, for the one last time this season, uh, tell people where they can find uh, Richard Kirkham. Well, you can listen to me on a weekly basis on the Lambcast, which is found at largeassmovieblogs.com. The Lambcast is the official podcast of the Large Association of Movie Blogs, which has over 2,000 members and counting. And we and we get together with uh, four, five, sometimes six other bloggers, podcasters on a weekly basis and talk about current films, past films. We make up lists. We have arguments. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I do my own writing at uh, Kirkham a Movie a Day. I have two sites for that uh, project. Uh, there's a blogger site that you can reach at kirkhamclass.blogspot.com. And there's also a WordPress site, which is just kirkhamamovieaday.com. Uh, both of them are easily accessed. All you have to do is Google Kirkham a Movie a Day. That's K-I-R-K-H-A-M. So don't spell it wrong because you'll find out something that you don't want to know. You're looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on uh, Twitter, which is now for some reason called X. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So, Richard, thank you very much for joining me this week. It's uh, it's always fun talking to you about movies, and I enjoyed Boys it. Boys and week. girls and movies, why do they need gin? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we already found the answer to that one. <laughs> I think Annie Annie's a little uh, – uh, uh, she's out there. <laughs> yep. If she's if she's asking why they you know <laughs> why do they need uh, gin, I don't know. But uh, yeah. So <laughs> thank you very much for joining me. Uh, like I said, I will be back on Monday with a new guest. And until then, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly, Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.